Hello. There we go. Uh, if you haven't watched a deep dive before, make sure you check the comments below for time codes. It would be a little rusty. This is I took three weeks off, so give me give me some slack if I don't do it quite right. But uh, yeah, so if you're new here, we're gonna get going in a few minutes. We're not gonna get going right away. Um, I wanted to start early, particularly this time because it's been a been a minute, been a few weeks before since I streamed, so I wanted to give myself a little extra time. So hopefully you can hear me and we'll wait for folks to come in and uh, yeah, check the discussion if you're watching this after the fact and don't want to see me just chit chat for a while before I start chatting some more. It's kind of how they go. But yeah, let's say some hellos. It's weird not having my headphones on. Isn't that weird? Okay. Hello, ShuttlePod1. Hi, Jonathan K. Hello, David. Hello, Gary. Hello, Mark. Thanks for joining in. And a, a thank you to Sion, uh, Unexpected Maker, for pinging me earlier because I had forgotten to make the YouTube thing, which I, I barely remember to do my blog post yesterday. So sorry about that. But yeah, so. We'll hang out a few more minutes. Hopefully the folks that got pinged will stick around waiting for some housekeeping, but I want to wait till two. Hey, Johnny. Hello, Chi. Hi, Beata. I hope everybody had a good holidays and new year. I'm excited for 2022. Hello, Ethere. Did I say that right? Hello, Dave. David says, Happy New Year, everyone. Hi, Paul. Uh, if you're not, if you're only in the Discord or if you're only in the YouTube chat, I recommend joining the Discord as well, which you can do by going to the URL edafru.it slash Discord. I'll say that in the housekeeping again, but I'm uh, getting it back. I think I'm running the meeting next week as well. Hello, Thomas. Hello, Bruce. Hello, Alberto. Hello, Dexter Starbird. I'm getting my hair cut after the stream. I've waited too long. It is very too, much too long. So that'll be good. <sighs> I had chili for lunch. It's a snow apocalypse up in Vancouver. We just have lots of rain. It's not cold enough to snow. We, that was a couple weeks ago. We got lots of snow. I've been more and more involved in state legislation stuff that's happening. Maybe I should talk about that, even though it's not Adafruit related. Oh, she's in self-isolation, so this is a very welcome addition to your Friday evening. I'm glad. I'm glad we could hang out. This has been, doing these streams has been so much fun. Hello, Tech for Kids. I'm happy to, after a three weeks break, I was getting a little burned out doing it every week, but 
three weeks break, I was like, you know, I'm ready for a deep dive. I'm excited about it. With or without beans, the chili? The chili definitely had beans. It's a vegetarian chili, so. <laughs> ah, Bruce is at Whistler. More snow in the valley, nowhere to put it all. Oh, yeah. Hey, John. All right, it's 2.01, and David's patiently updating the time code for me to do housekeeping. Hello, Deshipu. So, uh, Happy New Year, everyone. My name is Scott, and I work for Adafruit on CircuitPython. Adafruit is an open source hardware and software company based out of New York City. I work remotely for them, and I have, uh, since I started, um, based out of here in Seattle. Um, <laughs> I'm a little rusty on all this, so give me a little patience. Uh, Adafruit does open source hardware and software. I particularly work on the software side and more specifically on CircuitPython, which is a version of Python designed for small and expensive computers, mostly microcontrollers. But I've been doing a lot of work to do the Raspberry Pis, which are not necessarily considered or treated like microcontrollers, but turns out you can do that uh, generally. So I worked for them since I started. Yeah, I worked for them remotely since I started. I have this bad habit of like dropping letters and words when I talk. So it's the worst if I drop the word not. <laughs> I'll say, oh, blah, 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 blah. Oh, wait, there's a not in there. I meant the opposite. Um, so that's me. If you want to support me, you can support me by going to adafruit.com and purchasing hardware there. They pay me to do these streams. They pay me to work on CircuitPython. Um, so please support them and uh, help us keep the team we have and expand the team as well. Um, if you want to chat with me and a lot of others, we do have an Adafruit Discord server, which is great. Um, you can join that by going to the URL adafru.it slash discord. Um, we're there all week, so if you want to chat with the folks that you're seeing in the chats right now, um, we're around generally. So I'd encourage you to be in that kind of like more persistent chat space than what we get with the YouTube chat. Um, but we're happy to, I'm happy to have folks in the YouTube chat as well. Um, if you're new here, welcome. Uh, this is a deep dive. It happens every week. Uh, it's normally Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific. Uh, occasionally I'd shift it to Thursday, but more often I've actually been taking the week off because doing like every Friday for months on end is, is pretty taxing. Um, but it typically, typically goes for two hours or more, which means that we've got plenty of time to just talk and talk about different things. Um, I have a decade's worth or more of software experience and the hardware stuff's relatively new, but I'm, I'm totally happy to take questions that folks have and, and talk about topics that folks have. So um, if you have those, go ahead and put them in the chat. Um, we've got couple hours, two hours here to go over them. Um, and last uh, piece of housekeeping is that next week will be on Friday as well. I'm kind of planning on doing kind of a two-parter sort of thing. So today I want to like recap all the things I've been working on and give you an update on just where I'm at, particularly on the Raspberry Pi stuff. And then um, my plan is that next week, well, the stream next week will be um, all about my CircuitPython 2022 and I'll also talk about 
the uh, other CircuitPython 22s that have been posted by the stream next week. So if you're interested in that, um, please do it by next week and I'd love to cover it. Of course, if it's after next week's stream, I'll, I'll have it kind of as a minor, like we'll talk about it in streams after that as well. Um, and let me just advertise what CircuitPython 2022 is before we do the recap. Um, in case you don't know, and in case you can't stick around the whole two hours. Uh, so CircuitPython, every year we do annual kind of planning, planning in quotes, but basically, um, hello Cyber, hello Sydney. Um, it's a chance for us as a community to just lift our heads out of the thing that we're working on right now and start to like make sure that we're all headed the right direction and share uh, what we think that those that longer term direction should be for CircuitPython. So um, I like to do that a lot. Um, so CircuitPython 2021, which I want to talk about later, uh, will be all the things that we said a year ago that we think we want to do. And I kind of want us to like, see what we've done and what we've not done and whether we have more work to do on things. And then next week kind of will be that like formalized, like here's, here's kind of what I think. Um, let me... Uh, Say hi to some folks in the chat before you get into this. Um, Zest Exposed says, can you recommend uh, kits for kids slash teens that can be purchased from you in well-documented video and step-by-step? -step? So, um, yeah, so what is a great way to do that? Let me switch to keep the questions coming. I see them and I will get to them. Uh, but I'm going to take them one at a time. So this window is a little too tall. <laughs> Hello, unexpected maker. Glad you can make it. Uh, so, so the canonical place to look for for projects. So Adafruit doesn't necessarily always have kits, um, although I'll show you kind of a good place to start with those. But um, the Learn system, so learn.adafruit.com, is a great uh, resource. So I would start here and what I recommend for people is to browse the projects here um, and find one that looks interesting to you. It may not come as a kit, but it will link you to all of the different resources that you need to do it. So here's like a, a green goblin pumpkin. Um, this will involve 3D printing um, and there's categories that you could like pick what you want. But what you'll see for all of these learn guides is that they have like tutorials on how the circuit works and what the code is. Um, and then there's a link to the uh, products that you need to build it. So it's not necessarily, um, it's not necessarily a kit, but it like gives you all the pieces to make your own kit. Um, so that's, that's kind of what I would start is like, just look through here and find what you like. Um, another good place to start is Adaboxes. So Adaboxes are a subscription service, and this is all the Learn Guide stuff. Um, however, ugh, I'm not in the shop. Usually you can buy the Adaboxes at least briefly afterwards. Um, and even if you can't buy the full box, you can buy kind of all the parts in a box. So this is kind of more of a kit than um, the, the first approach I was showing you. So you could see here that, that these are, um, like kind of all the pieces that are in Adabox generally. 
not perfectly. Um, and then you can find the uh, then you can find the uh, instructions. Sorry, somebody's chatting me at the same time. I'm a little distracted. It should stop. Um, yeah, so so this is a great place to start too. And then I think that there's so there's also these shopping gift guides is another good place to start. Um, this is the one I did firmware debugging and development. I showed that off in December, uh, but this could be a good place to talk about it as well. So young engineers, for example. So yeah, lots of options. Um, there aren't necessarily like long video tutorials for putting things together. Most of them are just like individual cuts of like how it goes together. Um, okay, perfect. Zest Expo says exactly a resource I was looking for. Great, yeah. Adafruit's really strong in the written documentation aspect. Um, hello, Paul. And hello, Michael. So John at, says, background, I'm an embedded software engineer in automotive, and I just and just getting started with some CircuitPython projects on the side. Question, what is the underlying OS for CircuitPython? I can't find documentation on that anywhere. So generally, uh, CircuitPython does not run on top of an OS at all. Um, however, the if we're doing networking stuff, we may actually have one. So for example, for the, the Espressive port, the ESP IDF is built around free RTOS, and so will be kind of CircuitPython will be running within the free RTOS framework. Um, but generally, generally CircuitPython just starts up itself and it manages everything. So it doesn't actually have a, a kind of an, it is the OS more than it it's on top of the OS, um, which is pretty wild, and and I enjoy that sort of programming. So if you have follow-ups, feel free to do that. Johnny says Sion was probably distracted playing with his lasers. I would be distracted by lasers. Okay, so hello Keith EE. Hope you all are well today. Hello Hams Labs. Just got off a of Zoom helping my sister get started with Circuit Playground Express. Awesome. Thank you for taking the time to do that. Um, Cyber has a quick question. Well, question with a quick answer. Uh, Cyber asks Does CircuitPython work with the Arduino Uno? And the answer is it does not. Um, the chip on the Uno is an 8-bit chip. It has far too little RAM um, to work. And uh, CircuitPython is really designed for like 32 or 64-bit stuff. Um, all right, so David G's got a question that says, is the Raspberry Pi 2W SD card image working if you flash it from scratch? I was working with 7.0 last week. I had a problem with the more recent image. Anybody? with a recent from scratch success. So uh, I, I had a pull request for, and this is a great segue, so thank you, David. Um, and hello, Minnesota Mentat. Thanks for joining us. Um, last night, I had a pull request merged in by Dan that uh, I think I broke, I broke SD cards on the 2W when I added the pin reset stuff. So it went, it was just merged in last night. It's not working perfectly for me, unfortunately. Um, let's just recap everything. Oh, I guess, you know, I don't care if it's open or closed. I just care that it's a PR. 
So let's look, take a look at my PRs recently. So this 5800 PR here is what I think should have fixed generally Raspberry Pi 2W support. Um, it includes a thing that allow that sets up the never reset. So CircuitPython internally has this uh, mechanic for never reset, which is basically says these pins are pins that you should not um, reset. <laughs> like these pins you should not reset uh, ever. Unless there's a, there is a caveat. If you explicitly de-init the resource, then it will be uh, allowed to be reset after that. But uh, that doesn't often happen. Um, generally, CircuitPython tries to blanket reset everything between user code runs. So what, what never reset does is prevent that kind of blanket reset from happening. Um, okay, so that was done in 5800. And if you look at the, the title here, it's also initial Pi Zero support. So um, we one of the things I wanted to do before I wrapped up this Raspberry Pi work was I wanted to add support for the original Zero as well. Um, <laughs> Um, so yeah, if you, if you don't have zero two W's, but you do have original zeros, you can now try it as well. Um, so I think that answers your question and now I'm getting more questions in. So, uh, Dave AA2 says, hello, is it a big process to install on an ESP32? So CircuitPython doesn't currently support the ESP32 without any extras on it. Currently, CircuitPython only supports the ESP32-S2 well, and then we're starting to do C3 and S3 as well. Um, and the reason that we don't currently support the ESP32 is that it doesn't have native USB support, so it can't do the like CircuitPy drive that everyone basically expects. Um, And then Zest Exposed says, are there any dedicated conferences online or face-to-face -face on the topic? I'm not sure what topic you're talking about. Um, I haven't, I generally don't, haven't been doing conferences at all. I, I've been streaming every week, so there's a whole back catalog of talking about all this stuff. And um, if you're new to the stream, which I think you are, there's a really good resource that Patrick and David primarily have taken care of. There's this repo, github.com slash Adafruit slash deep dive notes. Um, and it's got uh, historical copies of all the notes. So what you can do is you can search this. And then um, what Patrick has done is that uh, if you look at a particular thing, you can actually like click these links and it will jump you right into the long video. So you can kind of search this repo, find a topic that you're interested in, click the link that Patrick's had linked up to the video, and then you can immediately kind of watch the portion of a deep dive where I talk about that. Um, David says, Pi Zero are numerous. Version 1.2 without the camera are rare. Then with the camera, then Zero W, which one are you targeting? So I have a, a Zero W on my desk, but there's no, there's, there's no reason the other ones shouldn't work. Um, since I don't have camera support or Wi-Fi support, it's all the same build is really applicable. I do, I do have a new PR out that will add a separate build for the non-W version. So this, this PR here has Pi Unora support and the zero without the W. 
Uh, it also enables full build with which people wanted, um, which brings in some straggler, straggler stuff that we don't have. Um, and yeah, so generally zero and zero W and the chips are essentially the same. Like the, the Broadcom chips are very much the same across the whole line. The biggest changes are the CPU itself. Um, DCD says, I needed to clone the Git repo to search the archive. Are there other ways to search the DTF repo for topics? I think you can just, because it's not a fork, I think you can just do it on GitHub. Like, cat. Pet the cat. Here's a time. Here's a time. <laughs> so if you want to see all the times I pet the cat, there you go. Um, Chi, Chi asked, is there a database of timestamps for when the cat gets pet? So yeah, kind of. Um, and of course, you're seeing the, I used to have a heads up that the cat is epileptic. The cat is still epileptic, but he's been doing so well that I, I removed that from the housekeeping. Um, Cyber's got another question that says, hmm, just got an UNO for learning stuff. Does CircuitPython have any advantages besides being a higher level and more user-friendly language than C++? Um, I think you nailed it. I think, that, I think that is the advantage. So Python is higher level, as you say, and it's more user-friendly, which I find to mean that you, uh, you generally spend less time programming and more time iterating, and you don't end up in the weeds of like your tool chains and stuff like that. But I think the Arduino Uno is a great place to learn if that's what you've got. Um, you know, C++ is great too. <laughs> and like CircuitPython Circuit itself is all written in C. Um, which is like, we, we probably write a lot more C on this stream than we write, than we write Python. So I think, I think you nailed it. I think you, you have a clear understanding of what the advantage is. <laughs> And yeah, Minnesota Mentat says Deep Dive Notes needs a 2022 folder. Yeah, Unexpected Maker says higher level, more user friendly, and no compiling, instant code changes, and experimenting. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so, um, and Randall points out that we have a great community too. So uh, join the Discord if you haven't joined the Discord, and we can put, I'll drop a link in the. Okay. <laughs> yeah, somebody can make a PR to add 2022. Michael points out that CircuitPython has a REPL, so you can actually like interactively program it too. I've always been like less keen on the REPL. I think what what I don't like about the REPL is that the code disappears once you're done with it. Whereas that's why we have the auto reload for code.py. So the way CircuitPython works is that you'll have a code.py, well, you put it on a device and then you plug it in, it shows up as a CircuitPy drive with a code.py file on it. And then as you edit the code.py, so every time you, you save to it, CircuitPython will automatically restart it so that you can see how the behavior of your device changes as your code changes. Um, so yeah, I think that's pretty neat. 
So if you have a chance to try CircuitPython, I'd recommend it, but you know, no shame to the to doing Uno stuff. I kind of wish, I, I, I still am kind of curious to see how the 8-bit uh, microcontrollers work because there's a lot more to what these chips than just the CPU. There's also like the different peripherals and how those they how they work. Um, okay, so let me wrap up my recap. So let's go back here and stop searching for cats. Um, so I have this pending PR and it didn't build, so I'm gonna have to fix that. Um, but it adds Pyenora support. Uh, it kind of inverts the enable full build. So some stuff that was inadvertently turned off will actually be turned on, which is good. And then um, I think this is going to be kind of like my last thing. I want to finish the learn guide I started a few, uh, like a month ago, I must have started it. So I want to get a learn guide out on how to try this, but um, I'm really kind of sick of working on it, uh, to be frank. And I'll, tell, I'll, show you, I'll show you the issue why. So if we go to label Broadcom, um, these are the open issues. I've kind of segment, tried to segment them by like things I want to do at some point, but not now, and things that I'd really like to do before I like move off of it. So support with the full line of our Raspberry Pis. So that's the two zeros and the Pyunora. Um, I also have the three A plus, but I'm not going to do that. It's it's a weird board. If somebody else wants to add it, it should shouldn't be too hard. But I'm not going to work it. I'm not going to work on it. Um, USB host would be amazing, and I think that's going to be, spoilers, part of my CircuitPython 2022, but I'm just, I, I, I can't do it now. Um, and Wi-Fi support would be amazing, but I, I'm, I don't have the steam for that now. But where did it go? Oh, this one. Broadcom port for Raspberry Pi 4B often corrupts SD card. So this is a huge long thread. And basically, like, the SD card's been kind of flaky for me. And that's really, really frustrating. Um, so I've got some debug stuff here. If you want to follow along or if you have, if, if, if you're interested in diving, like, down, down deep into the weeds, I'd love um, some eyes on this stuff. But I basically, like, I got to take a break. Um, I have been working on, on it, like, over this holiday break. Um, and I made some really good progress. So like getting the zero up and going wasn't simple. <laughs> it was kind of complicated because it's an older ARM CPU. So I had to learn a lot about like the, the ARM 11 CPU that's in the, in the original like Raspberry Pi chip that is on the zero. So I, I, I made a lot of progress. I just, this issue has been around for a while and I just, I've kind of poked it an hour here and an hour there and not been able to kind of figure it out. Um, and this is why David's, David's also uh, asking me, did you find an SD card emulator? Um, that's a great thread and it's got a lot of traction. I have not tried any of it. I kind of feel the same that the Raspberry Pi folks who chimed in, that the, the RB2040 is probably a good option. Um, I was, I'm, I'm, Quite surprised that it doesn't exist already. I, I kind of expect that it does. Um, I kind of expect that it that it does exist, but like maybe it's like within the SD card, like 
organization or whatever it is. Because you do have to license SD cards technically to do SD cards. Um, so yeah, I'm very much trying to like put a bow on this Raspberry Pi stuff, even if it's imperfect. Um, bugs like this can also be really hard until somebody comes along and says, hey, it happened to me in this particular way. Um, so I th I'm kind of filing this into the category of like, we've got all these boards that are supported now. We can get a perspective on like, I see this flakiness on the 4B, but I don't see it on the zero, or I see it with these type of SD cards or blah, 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 blah. Like it's kind of in this mode of like, I can't spend too much time on it because if I wait, I'll probably get more information on, on what the issue is. Uh, and furthermore, there's lots of folks like you watching that may be able to take a look at it with fresh eyes and find the issue as well. So um, yeah, I have this last PR out that does like most of what I wanna do. Um, one thing I didn't show is in here. Um, but I did, I don't know if I talked about this, but I did add, uh, I did add Neo, NeoPixel support. So it should actually be able to transmit NeoPixel stuff. Um, I did some board build fixing. I got a little distracted by some keyboard stuff and I added side set enable support for the RP2040. Um, again, I like my, my brain wants to not do Raspberry Pi stuff now <laughs> because it's just been so taxing. So I'm going to let myself move on. Um, the next thing I'm going to work on is S3 support. So really polishing up ESP32 S3 support in the next couple months um, because I think those are becoming more available. So I'm going to switch gears next week, wrap up this Raspberry Pi stuff. I guess I'll, I'll have... The learn guide's not going to be done this week, so I'm going to have to wrap that up next week, and then um, and then I'm going to be onto the S3. And one thing that's really interesting about the S3 is that it's kind of the S2, but it's got a second core and it's got uh, BLE support, so that could be cool too. Um, let's see. Paul says. Uh, hi, using the 64 by 64 LED matrix using the matrix portal animated gif.uf2. Change code to support 64 by 64 will not compile. Is it available on GitHub? Have I missed it? Um, it probably is. The place to look, it's probably Arduino codes, so I'm not as super familiar, but the a lot of the learn guide code is in this repo, the Adafruit, github.com slash Adafruit slash Adafruit learning system guides has a lot of code in it. So that's where I would look. Um, that's where I would look for it. Um, animated GIF. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, Thonalix says, guys, did Raspberry Pi board prices raise because of crypto mining? I think they did raise a couple of prices um, large because of the cost of RAM, I think. Um, so it's probably not directly related to crypto, crypto mining. I think it's more generally, uh, generally chip shortage issues where like the pandemic caused a lot of uh, uncertainty in the market and 
caused some people to like not make as much stuff as we actually people wanted like a year later so there's like a huge disruption and we're very much still feeling all the ripples of, of that um yeah timon says yeah i totally get that when you work so long on something you need some distance after a while to reset yeah and if you look at the the stuff that i worked on kind of in my time here at adafruit or working for adafruit like you'll see that i circle around things right like i'm about to cycle on the esp work but i've like previously done a lot of esp work before right so like i i'm confident i will get back to the raspberry pi stuff at some point um i'm not sure when but, uh, you know, I am also paid by Adafruit, so there does have to be some balance around, like, this is the hardware that we have coming that we need We need to make sure that we can support when we, like, produce new boards for it and stuff. Um, and David is, yeah. Well, okay, so David says, so no keyboard for the Pi 400 because it requires USB host. Uh, yeah, for the time being. I still think USB host would be really valuable even more broadly than just for the Pi 400. So spoiler again, I think it's going to be on my CircuitPython 2022. Um, David says, I understand the value of having a Pi version of CircuitPython, but I don't see the commercial value for Adafruit. Uh, yeah, and but S3 means selling boards and S3 is great. I want a cutie Pi S3. Yeah, so... Um, I think it's not quite that straightforward um, because, you know, the, the model of making money off Pi stuff is not to make it off the Pi stuff itself necessarily. It's, it's the accessories. Like I have a friend who wanted to put a Pi cluster together and he like spent $150 buying accessories for the compute modules that he ordered. Um, so I don't necessarily think and, and this is why I think the zero is interesting to me too. Of like, if you're like me, you have Pi zeros sitting around, and from the Linux perspective, they're like not super useful anymore. Especially if you're somebody who expects it to be like, I'm gonna open a web web browser and browse pages and watch videos. Like, like a lot of those older Pies are like kind of like they've aged out in terms of Linux stuff, but then you put CircuitPython on it and like suddenly you've taken Cir CircuitPython and put it on something with like 256 megabytes of RAM and video output. Like, so I think that there's, I think it's really interesting. And I think I have gotten it to the point where we can start to see people be interested in it. And I think Lamore was talking about Wi-Fi support on the Pi would be really cool too. And she had the really insightful thing to point out that MicroPython actually supports Wi-Fi on the chip family that is on the Raspberry Pis. So there's like already existing um, example code. There's already exi existing uh, MicroPython example code for like doing Wi-Fi with the chips on the Pis. So like it's reasonably doable. It's just like not going to be now. The, the other reason to do the S3 and the, the reason I'm excited for it is like, you know, last year we spent a lot of time on the Bluetooth workflow, right, on the NRF. So we spent a lot of time getting the file transfer protocol going on the NRF chips. And we're actually to the point where PyLeap and FileGlider, I think, are both 
maybe one, but they're they're like soon to be in the iOS app store. And so by me switching back to S3 and getting the Beely workflow working on all of the Espresso chips, hopefully that have Beely support. So ESP32, ESP S3 and C3, like that means that there's now more boards that support this Beely workflow that a lot then allows us to like reiterate and, you know, market the, the Beely workflow stuff, which, uh, we've been working on a lot and we need to just get more people trying it because it is really cool. It's just very, very early still. Okay. So that's, I'm slipping into like CircuitPython 21, 22 stuff, but okay. Let me, um, let me go back to questions because we've got some, a couple more good questions. Um, Ava Mander says, people are constantly looking for what do I do with this old pie? And that is a great option in my opinion. Yeah, totally. That's what I'm thinking is like, Right now, CircuitPython on the Pies is hard-coded to 32 megabytes, and people are still astounded by how much RAM it is. <laughs> when it could be like hundreds of megabytes if I just like changed a hard-coded value. Um, okay, so Cyber says, sorry for, for so many questions, but you're so hopeful I can't hold them. Hey, no problem. That's what we're here for. That's why it's a two-hour long stream. Uh, what do you prefer in terms of IDE or text editor? I come from a programming background and the Arduino IDE is kind of bad lol. Um, yes, so uh, I use Sublime Text. I am not a huge IDE person, so you won't. There are some people in the CircuitPython community that like PyCharm and like all the autocomplete that those do. But I consider, I've always found myself working in kind of like a, a text editor with basic text completion world so i use sublime text um and the reason i attribute that is i think i i, I tend to jump around languages and stuff and i don't want to have to change tools for every language um so yeah i usually use sublime text and gdb and uh i have plenty of ex examples of of the way that i work in previous streams so i would, I would encourage you if you're enjoying this um take a look at the notes doc the, the notes repo and then uh, potentially find some things that could be interesting and just take a look at that. Um. <laughs> uh. Oh yeah, Pi Zero plus QT explode. <laughs> Some boards from Adafruit do have the STEMI QT, such as the TFT. I will replace a lot of Pi Zero Ws by the Zero W Two Ws. So you have lots of Zero Ws left over. Anic Data says I've been playing with that display on the Pi Zero today, and I totally forgot it had STEMI QT. It should work. Um. Ooh, this is the kind of question I like. So Warren Fletcher asks, where do I start if I want to get involved in contributing to CircuitPython? Um, this is a great place to start. Um, the other thing that I would point to uh, is make sure you're on the Discord server. So there, on the Discord server, there's a CircuitPython dev text channel. That's a great place to lurk and see what's going on. And then it's also good because on Mondays we have a CircuitPython weekly meeting where we kind of all cover what we're working on too. So you'll get an idea of what's going on. And then Katni, if you want to be 
on the library Python code side of things, um, there's a really good page, circuitpython.org slash contributing, I think. So this has a link to pull requests where you can do reviews for them. You can take on open issues. Um, it's got links to the Discord and the web late. So if, if you speak an English, uh, a, a language besides English, uh, one way to contribute is by providing translations. Um, just the, in the last week, somebody asked us to create a Turkish, Turkish translation. Um, and they've contributed some contributed some of those, so that is awesome. Um, so yeah, this is one way. If you're on the library side, uh, if you're on the core side, then we kind of like have our issue tracker. Um, this page is trying to like glom all the issues from all of the different uh, library repos together. Um, so yeah, if you wanted to give tell me more about what you're interested in contributing, I can then give you more direction. I think generally that's my update. Um, I don't, the only other distracting thing is that I have been doing non-work stuff around the legislative, state legislative session that's starting next week. Um, and there's like some committee meetings and stuff where I want to give testimony. There's a right to repair bill that is in committee on Thursday next week. And then there's a couple broadband related things on Tuesday. So I'm hoping and digital equity stuff that I'm hoping to give some in, insight into hopefully as well. I can't let myself get sucked into that because I'm, I'm already doing it. It's, I'm getting sucked into, into it too much. Um, okay, so that's... That's that. Let's move on to CircuitPython 2021. If folks have questions, we'll, we'll keep doing what we're doing and, and answering those as they come up. But um, let me not get too distracted. The summary for the Broadcom stuff is there's one more PR. Let's get it in. Please try it out and let me know uh, what you think. Uh, did you get into the QMK config tool output thing? Bomi guy asks. I wrote a parser for it. Oh, are you talking about the converting it to the key codes? I never did actually. I never actually did that. Um, I got distracted by the side set enable stuff, and then I kind of like refocused myself on the Pi stuff. So I I haven't gotten the keyboard working. If I don't know if folks, I think it was maybe just on show and tell, but I have like a clicky clicky keyboard split keyboard here I've got another half um, that I was writing stuff for um, I I did not make complete progress I I parsed the QMK config enough and did some layer stuff enough that I could like print out what it was pressing but I never connected it to actual USB um, if you'd like me to send you those files after the stream, I'd be happy to if you want to pick it up. Okay, um, on Twitch, Wuha uh, 11 says, 
What's the best board to get started with CircuitPython? I have some experience with the ESP32 and MicroPython. So unfortunately, the ESP32 is not a great place to start uh, because it doesn't have the USB support. Um, but if you like the ESP side of things, an ESP32 S2 board would be awesome. Um, the ones that I do not recommend are what we call the M0s. So the SAMD21s were like the first uh, microcontroller that we targeted, but it only has 32 kilobytes of RAM. And it really kind of like, you hit those limits uh, in terms, the amount of Python code you can run is limited by RAM, and therefore uh, it's not always the best experience if you only have 32K of it. There are some libraries that are quite large. So the main thing I find is like, you want a board with USB, and then you also want a board with like more than 32K RAM. Um, so the ESPs are great for that because they have a ton of RAM. Um, the NRF's great if you want to do Bluetooth. The SAMD51 is great. The RP2040 is great. Um, and then in terms of actual board, it depends on what you want to do with it. Uh, the great A great place to start is just circuitpython.org slash downloads. Um, and it'll show you all the boards that are supported by CircuitPython. Um, oh, and Foamy Guy also points out that there's a learn guide for it too. So this is where you can go to download the CircuitPython builds for a board. And it's sorted. this page is sorted by default by um, the number of downloads we see for each board. So that's like, which is pretty amazing. Like the Pico... It's another reason to do Raspberry Pi stuff, because a lot of people like Raspberry Pis. So the Pico is, has been at the top of this list ever since it was released, basically, um, which is pretty interesting. Um, I was looking to play with Laura and MQTT. Yeah, so I probably... Well, if you want low power, the NRF is great for low power. Um, Jerry, Jerry N on Discord has been doing Laura MQTT stuff, so he's a great resource. Um, <laughs> Brent is watching. Thanks, Brent. Uh, the quote on your website, Ada Box page of Sydney Potter RIP, is not from today, correct? No, I don't believe so. Adafruit has a uh, quote server, like a collection of quotes that they like to put on stuff. So I don't think it's from today. Randall points out that Foamy Guy has great videos on YouTube as well. Just true. Um, Ryan G says, it would be handy to have a standard way to provision Wi-Fi or other settings via VLE. Maybe just a friendly JSON config file editor with standard file and property names. Yeah, I think that could be interesting. Brent's done a lot of great work with I.O., so he's I would delegate to him. <laughs> uh, David says, should the old ESP32 regain support now that there is... <laughs> Things are happening in legislative land. Um, should the old ESP32 regain support now that there is a VLE workflow? Um, I'm hoping so. I'm hoping that we can 
support the ESP32s as BLE only CircuitPython experiences once we have BLE built on top of the ESP IDF. Um, so yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to try that. I tested the Microbit V2 from the Chrome browser. I could edit the Hello World, but connection was breaking and I gave up. Hmm. Yeah, the problem, yeah, this this Bluetooth stuff is really early and we're gonna have to figure out how to make it pretty solid. Uh, it's still really early. It's, I don't think you're gonna have a different experience though. The the I think that the CircuitPython side of the BLE workflow stuff on the NRF is pretty solid. I think it's just all of the other side that's that's tough. Oh, I love the questions. I could answer questions for two hours easily. DroneCZ says, Hi, is it possible to run slash execute another .py file before code.py? I would like to change the resolution on the Raspberry Pi with the LCD screen, but I do not want to run that within code.py. Um, yes, we have boot.py. Uh, boot.py will run once on boot up. Um, it will not rerun. And it runs before USB is active. So um, it should be late enough that the it should be late enough that the, the Raspberry Pi um, display stuff is going, but it's not so yeah, I think you want boot.py. We used to also support settings.py, but we removed that in seven I think because nobody used it the only person people that ever used settings.py was like people who inadvertently just wanted a settings module like code.py was a rename of main.py because we felt like code was a friendlier term um, and so we also renamed boot.py but nobody used the rename version which is fine boot makes more sense Boot makes more sense than main, I think. So yeah, I think you just want boot.py. Um, because displays are weird and it'll, it'll be sticky. <laughs> Carestring88 says, thanks for helping me on the Discord. You pointed me to the RP2040 USB PID form. I contacted the vendor and now they will send me samples of their other RP2040 boards for testing. Awesome. I really need to dig into what makes a clean board definition, but a PR is in progress. Oh, that's great news. I think, you, yeah, you were working on the WaveShare boards, and I just got a couple PIDs from the Pi Foundation as well, or the Raspberry Pi folks. I'm trying to be more specific. There's two Raspberry Pi organizations. There's the Foundation and the Trading Company. One is a nonprofit and one is not. Um, Generally, I talk to the people that are doing the for-profit stuff. Um, but yeah, I just saw that. <laughs> Brent says I got to do my CircuitPython 2022. Okay. Let's pull it up. So what I do when uh, we have an email. So if you do a CircuitPython 2022, email circuitpython2022 at adafruit.com. That's just like a, it's an internal mailing list. It goes to me and Phil. And what I'll do is I'll do summary posts uh, so that other people can be made aware of it. So if you just go to the blog and let's look at last year's. I think we did do a deep dive last year about this as well. 
<laughs> Anecdata, that is one thing I have to add to my learn guide. Is that HDMI, how do I change the resolution on the Raspberry Pi? Um, you release the, the display and then recreate the video core frame buffer and pass it to the frame buffer display. I need to add that to the learn guide. Okay, so these are the ones from last year. Uh, and let's just go to the roundup here. And I kind of wanted to um, just go over it and talk about the stuff that's on here and whether we kind of hit them or not. Um, so let's just see. I think I did cover this in a stream last year too. So this is from Higher Effect who was working on CircuitPython, but has now moved on to a startup. Um, stuff that happened this year. What would I like to see next year? More powerful chips. Big RAM consuming display projects on the H7, fast signals on the IMX, and audio on the 405. So HireEffect did a lot of STM work. A ROS message interface, camera module. So let's see. Um, we kind of did this big, powerful chips through the Raspberry Pi stuff. Um, not a whole lot of, not, no AI stuff, no ROS stuff. But camera modules, uh, Jeff's been doing, done a lot of good work on camera support. Um, and no, we didn't do server libraries or display code. We do have a lot more UI tools. A lot of folks have been doing really great. Uh, yeah, something like that, Texter. Or yeah, you're, yeah. Um, a weirder idea. Exposing some of the underlying code we've created for CircuitPython for use in C projects. Mm -hmm. We do some really low level stuff, but not, not the higher level stuff. So those are, that's higher effects. Let's keep going. David's in the chat, so we'll, we'll see what he said. Should be the year of the CircuitPython retro gaming personal computer. We certainly made progress. We made progress. We didn't get there, but I would like to get there. Um, software for making games. Foamy Guy's done a lot of great work with games. Um, but we haven't done the USB host side yet. Joysticks we can kind of do. I don't... You know, we, we do support Hub 75 LED matrix, I think. I think. And HDMI support. Yeah. And I want to do bare metal circuit bed on a Raspberry Pi. So we have that too. Um... Not sure we have the fancier. I think we, this year we did get synth IO. Hi Dylan. I'm glad we glad I streamed for two hours so you could come in. Um, update number one. Ooh. Dual core on the RP twenty forty. Yeah. We talked a little bit about that. Inspiring people. Nice. Yeah, I think, I think, I think I want to go the direction, David, that you left out or laid out last year. 
Graham says higher end processor, more memory, which again, I think the Pi Zero is like a pretty decent response, especially given how hard the chip shortage hit in 2021. Like all of these M7s that people are referring to, I think are really hard to come by right now. Correct me if I'm wrong, but that's the impression I get. Monotonic is bad. So Jeff did add the direct ticks access, which can be helpful. Um, we don't have threading. This person saying threading, but we do. Dan did some work to get the async IO stuff going that MicroPython has. Um, the next upward step after that. Oh yeah, for like intermediate folks. Um, I think, I think focus, focusing on beginners is still really good. There's always going to be more beginners. All right, let's see what Melissa says. So Melissa works on Blinka and CircuitPython. Pi Zero for retro game console. Problem is that I have no idea for 22. Well, you can say, you can say like there was really good progress made on this thing, but I, we still have to do this or that. That's what I'm going to do. USB host, I think, is definitely going to be a piece of it. And, like, the BLE stuff is going to be, is not finished either. Um, Melissa says threading, which we don't have threads, but we do have async now. We don't, we don't do, have an async networking library. I think Jeff is kind of interested in doing that, but that could be another thing for 22. Um, dynamic importing. I think you can do that. There's like a Dunder import or something. Blinka display IO. I know Melissa's actually done a lot of work on this. Um, it doesn't support everything, but she did a lot of rework. Um, RTC and supervisor. After looking back at my CircuitPython 2020 post, I was pleased to see that just about everything did become a reality. Keith says, I'm looking forward to writing this one this year now that I'm more familiar with the environment. Uh, that in and of itself is exciting to me. Awesome. Yeah. I, I really enjoy reading these. And it was the very first email I got was from Kmatch, um, who was a contributor for a while and I think got a bit burned out. Kmatch did really good work on Tiny Logic Sniffer, which is like an open source firmware for uh, microcontrollers to be a logic analyzer, which is really cool. But like we never kind of like did the final push to actually like teach people how to use it and get people using it day to day. And if, if people don't use something day to day, it tends to rot. Mm. Deshipu says there is Dunder import and I do use it in pew pew for starting games. So there's that. Yeah, I think you can. All right, let's see what Dan said. Is this interesting? People like that I'm going through these. I should at least go through mine before I quit. But I think we're making some progress. Real low power sleep accomplished in one port, but it's now in more ports. That's certainly true. I think we have it on RP2040 and SAMD as well. Asynchronous programming and multitasking. Dan did that. 
Automated hardware testing. Ooh. This is such a like... It is going to bite us at some point. We've been very, very lucky to get as far as we have without automated hardware testing. It's a really hard problem. I started to do it my first year and just like, it's a really hard problem keeping it running uh, without having to do maintenance. Um, it is still something that, that we should think about. Like, I think in particular between like six, six and seven, we did have a number of regressions where like things did work. And one of the big ones right now that I'm aware of is that like, I don't think infrared transmitting and receiving works on the SAMD21 right now, um, from what I can tell. Like I've, I've seen some reports that it doesn't work. And that's the sort of thing that's like, it's really kind of tricky to test, but if we had a test for it, we would have made sure that it was like working perpetually. Um, so yeah, automated hardware testing, I think is something that is really hard and could be really valuable. It's just, it's just really hard. <laughs> Hi, Rich. Keith E says that, yes, this is really interesting. It's cool to see how folks make goals and projects like this. Okay, cool. We'll keep going. Um, so the last bullet point that Dan had from last year was the Cartesian build product, ex Cartesian product build explosion. Uh, we have 177 boards in 18 languages. Um, are there ways we could reduce the resources and time needed to do builds? Could we separate the translation generation from the board builds and knit them together later? So we did a couple things in this regard. I think one thing we did is that we now turn, we have a few languages that are not on uh, because they just like, we created them, but nobody ever filled enough in, um, which I should check with the Turkish thing. Um, with the Tur Turkish translation folks. Um, and then I also did a thing later that um, changed the way our GitHub actions work. So if, if a change only happens in a board folder or a, if it only happens in a board folder, only that board will be built in addition to like the regular tests. And then if a change only happens in the, uh, port directory that's true as well so like we'll try to only build like the boards that are changed or the or the ports that are changed if we can which is actually really nice and that last pr that i have for the raspberry pi like i explicitly knew that like okay this pr i'm going to keep to the broadcom ports folder just so that i can have like faster uh faster uh ci build times um Beata says, the most amusing glitch between 6 and 7 is the way the USB serial numbers got swapped. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how that happened. We did do a tiny USB update. If it really matters, we can figure out why, but the most important thing is that it's unique. David says, yes, this is a very interesting deep dive. Overall, I'm enjoying it. Great. I'm glad you're enjoying it. I'm enjoying it too. Um, okay, so those are Dan's thoughts. And let's keep going. And then we'll go over Patrick's openings of tabs. So Dan says, it would be nice if you could program CircuitPython with a smartphone over BLE and use one of the BLE breakouts to program boards that are not BLE capable. So we're one for two. 
you can now program CircuitPython over BLE. We don't we don't have a way of doing it to non-BLE capable boards. I don't want to, I don't think it will happen to with a coprocessor, but I do expect us to see it on more BLE capable boards in particular that the ESP um, would be cool. It's possible that rest might actually be good for you. Rest is good for sure. All right, let's look at the shippu's stuff and i like i like this already that that the shippu's post is about projects um i think adafruit really adafruit strength is that we're very prog pro project focused and so i love to just hear the projects that people want to build um walking robots mechanical keyboards ooh in terms of development of CircuitPython, I'm really looking forward to dynamic USB descriptors, which we do have. That's been good. Deep Sleep's been great. Um, what file should be run after reset will allow me to optimize the, uh, optimize the menu. So we do have uh, somebody from uh, Deshipu's community contributed supervisor.setNextCodeFile which is a little known thing that doesn't get a lot of use, but it allows you to not run code.py, but run something else and specify, depending on what happens with that, what runs after that, which is great. So you can, it, I think it's enough that you could build like a Python OTA sort of system, uh, which somebody on the forums is actually trying to play around with. So uh, I think that's a good option there. Um, not a fan of Wi-Fi. Well, we're gonna circle back to the S3. So that, that'll be it. But I think, I mean, we spent a lot of time on other non-Wi-Fi things this year too. A lot a lot of this list we did, so I think we got that covered. I'm excited to hear the ship of what you want for next year, for this year, the next year. All right, these are, th these are three things in parallels from Patrick. Um, Secrets to Pi is just a Python file. We don't have a new way of doing secrets.py. I agree with exactly this first thing. Like, I think it would be cool. <laughs> the Shipu says, I got all I wished for and more in 2021. Awesome. I'm glad. I do think that this could be really interesting um, is doing secrets through the environment variables in CircuitPython because that's the way you would do it in, um, that's the way that you would do it in regular Python. Finish my thought. Camera interface, which we have now. Um, Jeff's done a lot of really awesome work for camera interface, which I think, I think it works. So there's that. Uh, package management, um, Circup has done, yeah, Circup has really grown and blossomed this year. Not, no thanks to me. I have not done, I don't even know if I've ever run Circup. Um, <laughs> Rich agrees, secrets through the environment is the way, is the way to go. Uh, other folks have been doing awesome work with Circup and it's been really good. Um, I definitely recommend people check it out if you haven't. I just, 
I'm kind of stuck in my ways. Kind of stuck in my ways. Let's be real. Um, but yeah, Circup's really cool. And it's they've done a great job. Whippersnapper uses secrets.json. <laughs> yeah. Move away from secrets.py. Would love to see JSON or pretty much anything else. I'm a pretty big fan of Toml. I think a couple of cool things to support would be Toml support in CircuitPython, which would be cool because it's kind of like YAML, but it's better defined. And then another thing that would be really cool to see in CircuitPython is, and there's a MicroPython module for this, is a like a small version of a SQLite uh, module. So you could actually do like very small databases. Uh, small SQLite databases in CircuitPython I think would be really cool too. Oh yeah, and Brent points out um, Bundlefly, the project bundler on Learn. So that is a 2021 thing as well. So if you pull up a project on uh, Learn, you can now download a zip that includes all of the dependencies in addition to the code and resources. So yeah, that's a great point, Brent. Thank you for, for chiming in on that. Okay, let's keep going. Is mine not on here? <laughs> Do I not? Did I not put my own rep? My own? I know I have them. Okay, so here's what Benny says. We'll, we'll find mine later. Um, S3 support, uh, which we have the basics of, um, but we don't have BLE yet. Um, implement wireless roaming I don't think we have. WPA3 personal, we don't have. Um, and off mode. I'm not actually sure which bits of this we have. Microbit V2 support, we do have. We do have that. And then the other cool thing that happened, I think Benny is Benny E Anic data. Maybe not. Um, the other cool thing that happened in the Wi-Fi space in 2022, 21 was the I saw a, a YouTube video about this, but the the Wi-Fi frame sniffing stuff, like so you can actually do like Wi-Fi monitoring mode as well, which is kind of neat. Um, there's some other folks in our community that do a better job with the Wi-Fi stuff than I do now. All right, let's let, let's take a look at what Foamy Guy says. Mm. Full year involved in the project. Oh man, Foamy Guy's entering year three. That's awesome. Foamy Guy's awesome. Um, Dive into display I.O. further. Behave more like a little computer. Create more UI widgets. That is definitely true. Polish display layouts library. Make more guides. Publish more guides in the learn system. And uh, is now working. Foamy Guy is in this year is going to work part time for Adafruit, which is awesome. Display I.O. internals, I think Foamy Guy did. Okay, annotated. Not the same person. Thank you for correcting me. Sometimes sometimes it is the same person, and it like takes me a little while to, to connect the dots of like, 
oh yeah, I'm not having this conversation with two people. I'm having this conversation with one person. Um, one project I hope to create this year is a console game that's made with Display.io that runs on PC, Raspberry Pi, and uses a Pi Gamer as a controller. Which I think you did. I think Foaming Guy did do like a plat platformer that, and I know Foaming Guy's done Blinka Display.io work too. So check out uh, Foaming Guy's streams. I think you did manage to do a lot of this. Drone CZ says, are there any plans to support different pictures slash graphics types PNG, JPEG, and SVG other than BMP? I looked at some guides and I did not find, I did find just support for BMP. So uh, not immediately. I know that we've thought about JPEG a little bit because there are actually some microcontrollers with like JPEG accelerators um, to decode JPEG. Um, a, a lot of the reason that we haven't gone that way is just because of RAM constraints. Um, and then the SVG stuff would be cool too. But the reason that we didn't do that is like it, there's a lot of math for all the curve stuff. Although I think in 21 as well, we've had, um, Warrior of Wire, I think is the main author for Vector IO. So Display IO now has Vector IO, which may not have the Bezier curves that SVG needs, like the curve primitives, but that could be kind of a cool way to do it, is um, parse an SVG and create vector IO stuff. Uh, oh yeah, and Deshipu points out that we do have GIF, GIF, Jeff, <laughs> Jeff says GIF, uh, GIF support. Um, and there's a PNG implementation for MicroPython as well. So... Uh, I don't have any plans, but I don't think it's necessarily core work that we need to do either. Um, as long as you have the RAM to store it uncompressed, which is, I guess, the trick. Foamy Guy says, I did check off a bit of those things, a lot of those things this year. Yay. Uh, one tricky bit for SVG is I don't think we have an XML parser yet. Yeah, I, I believe that. I know people would like an XML parser because of web APIs that use it, but I just, I'm such not a, not a fan of XML. Good night, Dave. Thanks for hanging out. I appreciate it. I'm excited to hear, hear more CircuitPython 22s from folks. So know that when you email CircuitPython 22, it goes to me and it makes me happy. Um, let's see what Ostrex says. I'd like to see a couple industrial capable controllers. I don't know of any that have done that. Anybody know of industrial controllers that have done that? It scares me a little bit, <laughs> honestly. Uh, because it, I, when I think industrial controller, I think that uh, it you have to be very solid with it. And and Damien does a great job making circ making MicroPython really solid. Like, that's a lot of what his business is. He does a great job testing and stuff, but like I don't I'm not very good at that. And so I always caution people that want to use CircuitPython in production environments that they kind of should do their they should do their legwork to make sure that it's like as reliable as they need and as secure as they need. Um, those are like 
open source code comes with no warranty, and I hope people take that into uh, account. Um, Ryan G says, uh, could auto parse settings.toml at boot and pass as environment variables? I like the idea of a standard settings file that could be changed over either USB or BLE. Yeah, I think that would be great. I'd love to have a toml parser and it's as good as any way of specifying environment variables in my opinion. I mean, it's very similar to like the YAML files that you would get in like GitHub Actions or I think Docker uses YAML for, for stuff like that too. So I think that'd be really neat. I guess one of the challenges with picking a new format is that you really, that's the sort of thing that would be really nice to have work across all of the boards. And fitting anything on the same D21s is quite a challenge already. Um, that's why using Python for that would be great. Ryan says that might not be great for keys though. Yeah, I don't know. I'm open to ideas. I, yeah, I'm open to ideas. Let's see what Chad says here. And let's not look at my notifications. Ooh, streaming MP3 support. I think, I think Jeff looked at this. Jeff looked at this, but it was challenging. Um, yeah, Tamil. It's another markup language. But it's, it's like Tom's markup language or something. And it's meant to be more regular, more rigor, rigorously. Why can't I talk today? Rigorously defined than YAML is. The REST community uses it a lot. And Python's going there too. All right, let's not get sucked into Twitter. Um, and apparently I don't, I don't see mine on here. I'll have to, I'll have to find it. I know I did one. Um, let's see. McGrun says, uh, thank you for CircuitPython. It's one of the best things I used in 2020. I started with the ESP boards and MicroPython in 2019 and switched to CircuitPython later on. Um, playing around with the little cutie pies, which is so lovely and yet powerful. I'm very excited because there's a lot more cutie pies that Lemoore is designing. Uh, they're great. Uh, cheap ESP, ESP board with Wi-Fi and Bluetooth. Um, how lovely would it be nice to have a range of boards with both Wi-Fi and Bluetooth? S2 is a choice, but it's missing native USB. So S2 actually has USB, but it doesn't have Bluetooth. Um, more interesting boards and features. What's wrong with Windows INI? I don't actually know what the format is, but so... Potentially nothing. Keith says, I think yours and the Adafruit staff might be their own individual posts. Well, I wrote this summary post and I probably just missed my own CircuitPython post. <laughs> I meant to have all of them there. I meant to have mine included, but mine is a little weird in that I, I, I didn't have to post a summary of my own post because it was in the same place. Right, I posted it to the blog. Um, ooh, let's see what Hugo says. 
Hugo says, why do I care about CircuitPython? Ethics, education, community, open source. <laughs> Managing libraries and dependencies. Yes. Localization ability of the platform and the build tool. <laughs> Library management, I think, has gotten a lot better with Brent pointed out pro the bundle fly, project bundler stuff, which means all the dependencies are much better. TechTrick's been doing amazing work getting type annotations. I think, I think in 22, we'll feel the benefits of all of that. And then CircUp has been awesome too. Localizability. Oh yeah, we didn't do this and, and we should think about it. This is localizing libraries. And it yeah, it is weird that CircuitPython has all of our core messages localized, but has no way of doing libraries. Um, I think that would be awesome. I think it's hard. So if folks have thoughts about this, I'd love to hear them. I'd love to localize everything. Build and deploy utility. Development can be done locally on a system that is separate from a microcontroller device. I don't think we do a great job. I know a few people have their ways of doing it. But in terms of like having your code on, on your local device and then pushing it across. And we have like a logging thing. Does CircuitPython do CircuitPython itself updating now? I'm not sure. But yeah, CircuitPython's been doing a lot of stuff, which is great. <laughs> awesome. So thank you. Thank you, Hugo, for that. I'm not sure we, we accomplished as much as we wanted. All right, here's from Jeff. Um, I like the looking back. Like, that's kind of what we're doing today. We're doing the looking looking back part. <laughs> Tectric says, doing what I can. Shout out to Foamy Guy for making it easy. Yeah, Foamy Guy's awesome. Um, everybody is working on this stuff. Um, on the, leg the legislation folks are getting... All their ducks in a row right now. INI doesn't have a raise in maps or actually a spec, I think. <laughs> if people know of a spec for INI, you should let us know. I feel like it's similar to there is like a config parser in Python 2, right? Like that's more like the INI. Like, isn't INI like you have a section that has brackets and then items in that? Something like that. Um Circup does libraries only. There's another tool called Blinka CLI that does do CircuitPython version updates and some other nifty utilities. I don't think I've ever heard of that. This is cool. I'm enjoying this. Thank you, folks. Um, okay, so let's see what Jeff... Jeff talks about time stuff. Um, he's happy he set up in 2020... Weblate and Microlab, which are great. It's amazing to think it's been that long. Um, looking forward to 21. 
support at least one new microcontroller. I think I put this too, and it was totally a cop-out because a number of us knew about the RP2040 by the time we wrote these, but we couldn't talk about it yet. Um, I know that was like one of the things. So we, we were feverishly working on it. And let me say more about that. Supporting the RP2040 is one of the best decisions that I've made in the last year, right? Like it has been more available than so many of the other chips and it's a really neat chip and it's affordable. So like when we had, when we, when I first got wind of the RP2040 and was like, no, we should do it. Like this time last year, I was just finishing it up the ver first version. Like, I'm glad we made that choice. It was the right choice. We saw on the downloads page earlier that like the Pico itself is the number one board downloaded for CircuitPython. Like, it was it was the right call that we made a year ago uh, to support that. Continue to help people grow into roles of reviewer and contributor. We've gotten a lot of new reviewers and contributors this year, and Jeff's been a part of that, so that's been great. More how-to video content around CircuitPython. So Jeff's actually started doing some short videos, and those have been awesome. Keep an eye out for increasing time and complexity to build CircuitPython, which I think we've done better. Risk of being spread too thin by multiple port in-progress ports. I don't necessarily think that's been a problem. No automatic way to gather items from the bundle for a particular application. Well, we have that. That's worked out really well. Wireless device, wireless enabled devices deserve a pure Wi-Fi or Bluetooth development workflow, which we have. We have the Bluetooth side. One thing to think about is, one thing to think about, oh, was, Number three is the Feather 2040 as well. Yeah, lots of RP2040s have been great. Um, I think Wi-Fi development workflow is an interesting thing. I, I avoided it a long time, but Brent, who I think may be still watching, like has done a really awesome job with Whippersnapper and IO, and that's kind of like inspired me to like start thinking more about what a development workflow for CircuitPython would be over Wi-Fi. Um, so if folks have ideas, let me know. Um, it's not going to be something soon, I don't think. But they've done such a great job with Whippersnapper that I think there's something that we could do there. Chi says, Tommel uses the same structure as INI, but supports nesting of structures too. Tommel is definitely nicer for config than YAML and JSON, but I wish there was something even nicer. Oh, so the thing is, one thing I like about Tommel is that it has comments. JSON does not have comments, which I know is is kind of a pain. Hi, Pierre. Happy New Year. I'll have to catch up on the last 85 minutes later. Yeah, no problem. We're just going through uh, CircuitPython 2021 posts and kind of like evaluating how how that's been going. David says, would there be a way to have one RP2040 firmware and have board variation that do not require their own firmware? Like a config file or something small that just includes the variation between the boards. Um, and Brent says, amazing Wi-Fi workflows and automated hardware testing are such grails. Yeah, I know. So um, going back to David's question, it's hard. It's hard to have one firmware for our all RP2040 stuff because 
the code lives on the spy flash and the spy flash changes per board. And there's this little chunk of code at the start of your image for the RP2040 that sets up, that is read slowly off the of flash and then run from RAM, which sets up the accesses to the flash. Um, you could theoretically have a version of that that's slow and then carefully reinitialize it later again in your in your code based on a config file. Um, it would be possible, but it, it's it's harder on the RP2040 than it potentially is on other stuff. Um, and any time that you're dynamically configuring something like that, like if you wanted code that could support all the different spy flashes, like your code size will be larger. And so for all of the boards, like it would be really hard for CircuitPython to get away from having a build per board um, for all the small boards because we do need every byte uh, for all the SAMD 21s. Um, and this was this came up a little bit in my thinking about the Raspberry Pi as well. Like we got tons of flash, right? It's an SD card. Um, but I think at the end of the day, having a uniform model across all, a, a uniform way of like building across all of the boards that we support, it's just it's clearer, right? Like having one way to do thing is clearer, even if it has a cost in terms of build. And I mean, all of build artifacts are not very large. So like hosting them is really not too bad. Um, I don't know. I th I'm, I'm, I'm on the one side of the debate as for far as like, just build all the artifacts. Like it's fine. Um, and all the, all of the translations and stuff. But yeah, I don't know. Okay. Going back to Jeff. Uh, there's an increasing need for path manipulation library. I've been really getting into PathLib from Python. Um, so if I had to pick, that's what I would do. PathLib's pretty awesome. The standardize the location of common files like fonts, icons, and sounds. That's an interesting idea that I don't remember that like we could do by just looking at all of the all of the guides that we have. So I think that's a great idea. Read-write storage that doesn't interfere with access to CircuitPy from a host computer. Yeah, we've debated We've debated splitting the flash into multiple partitions, but whenever I have multiple partitions on the same drive, I wish I didn't. And so I really pushed back against this idea. Um, a related idea that I've seen come up a, a couple times is if you have an SD card, the SD card should be available through CircuitPython um over usb as well and potentially that's that's what we could do is like if you have an sd card supplement supplementary sd card so not pi but i mean maybe pi maybe we do the partition with thing with pi because it's gigs but like um for microcontrollers if you have a pi by default it's writable from circuit python and readable over usb only which is the opposite of the of the standard circuit pi drive so maybe that's the right way to do it i had, i had originally had hopes of doing that and then realized that i didn't need to it's not simple it's not simple any any removable media is tricky um okay 
anti-alias font, which I don't think we, I don't think we did. Design and fabricate PCBs for my projects. I'm not sure Jeff did that. 3D printing, definitely did more 3D printing stuff. Why isn't there a magtag like podcast player appliance using CircuitPython? Lots of cool ideas that Jeff has. Jeff actually already posted his 2022 as well. But I think we should sit on the 22 stuff until next week. Oh, and this is the last one, and then we'll find mine. <laughs> um, so Brian, sedacious, uh, was working for Adafruit on hardware stuff, but is now uh, no longer working at Adafruit. Um, robust and fruitful open source project requires continual help from community members which we've been doing lots of stuff even when the people paid to work on a project can do these things more people helping is always better 100% and we've gotten more awesome people so thank you all Um, and this Brian's arbitrary rules for good documentation. It must exist. We get points for that. Be accessible. This has been challenging. I think one of the challenging things for our documentation is we actually have a lot of it, uh, but it's not always easy to find or understand what it is. Don't suck. I think our documentation is pretty good if you can find it. I think it's finding it the that can be hard like somebody on the forums just in the last couple days was like try try searching try searching the learn system for matrix and finding what you want there there's like all sorts of matrix stuff um be discoverable and inspirational i think the inspiration is i think adafruit is is good at that i think i think maybe the back catalog is harder but I think I think the Learn team has done a good job of learn.adafruit.com. Um, so yeah, that's the last one there. It's funny that I don't have my own. <laughs> and if you want to see, there's there's two prior years to this. I think I did a stream last January about nineteen and twenty. So I'm not going to cover that. But if you if you're new to this and you like this idea, you're welcome to to dig to the older stuff. Um, but let's see if I can hit the hit the tag here. And oh, under the tag, look, it's today's stream. <laughs> uh, I put it under the 21 tag because I was going to cover it. Ah, here we go. Here's my post, which apparently I didn't have. So Melissa and Dan posted there. But yeah, I'm, I do these summary things. So if I just change this to the 22 tag. I've done a couple posts already. So uh, here's the kickoff post. And then uh, Kmatch, aka CycleMatch on Twitter. And then three more separate ones were here. And then this is today's stream that I also threw under that tag. Um, Pierre says... Lots of examples providing lots of code examples. Finding it is the main issue. Yeah, a lot of the libraries have examples that are very simple and helpful, and I don't think we do a great job at expo- exposing those. 
I've seen some people get really confused by the examples that use like the giant libraries, like the portal libraries. Um, Brent says, I don't know what I wrote one last year. Don't really remember the start of 21. 22 was way better. Well, I'm glad it was way better. I don't think we saw one from you, but that's okay. You can do one this year. Um, okay. Let's talk about my own and then we can answer questions and wrap it up. Yeah, pandemic. 2020's platform of focus was the S2. Um, spend time in the S3 and maybe even the C3 and the ESP32. I'm already like alluding to the work I'm about to start doing, but Microdev, who I haven't talked about yet, has been doing great work in the last couple of years. Um, Microdev updated ESP IDF and then got uh, the S3, C3, and not the regular 32, but like we already have builds for all this stuff, which is a huge, huge start. Um, so thank you to Microdev for really pushing the ESP stuff. And I know Unexpected Maker has done some work as well with that. Um, that didn't the I didn't do a great job coordinating those two things, but I'm excited that we're gonna put more work into that. Brent says, no, I didn't write one. People did excellent work in 21 on CircuitPython. Yeah, I think so. Well, we've got lots of great people. That's awesome. Yeah, the community is great. Um, despite the surprises, my two focuses largely remain unchanged from last year. Community and CircuitPython code editing over BLE. When we looked back at past annual thoughts on last week's deep dive, I was pleased to see the origins of the principles that have guided CircuitPython over the years. This focus has gotten us where we are and continues to guide us. <laughs> Starkey, I can't predict the future. Yeah. We've made the right choices when we've had choices to make, and I hope we can continue to do that. And I think that having a project focus and a community focus really makes it easier to make the right calls. Um, you want to make sure that the, the choices you're making align with what people are wanting to do. Grown to 26,000 accounts on Discord, 62 core contributors. <laughs> Microdev is a much better person to do the ESP work. It's really not my area of expertise. We don't need experts to do the work. You can, you can learn it. You did good work on Expected Maker, and I enjoy it, and all the testing you do is really helpful too. Um, a focus on community I should include this this year. Yeah, it's still very important. It always is a top priority for me to make sure that other people aren't blocked. Like I I should run the numbers on how many pull request reviews I do, but it's it's important that I do it regularly and uh it pays off. It pays off. We've had lots of people uh come into our community and and get lots of cool stuff done. Mobile stuff. So we made a lot of progress on mobile 
Um, if you haven't watched this talk I gave right before, well, before the pandemic, um, I think I did a good job um, talking about really like super high level, like really where programming needs to go. Um, but yeah, I prototyped the BLE workflow in 2019. And now like we're in the start of 2022 and like we, we have a program that works called File Glider, which is super exciting. Um, and PyLeap as well. So, and we had the foundation for it all set up in CircuitPython, which is really good. Um, we have support for the Microbit V2, but the C3 we don't have yet. Um, Apparently, I didn't put another platform. But yeah. No, I like that. Yeah, I'm. <laughs> I think I'm a little cheesy, but I, I really do enjoy this. Like, I do enjoy. I thought I alluded to the RP2040. <laughs> oh, yeah. Snarky, I can't predict the future. Yeah, that's what I was. That's what I was thinking. We may also be surprised by new platforms that silicon vendors release during the year. Unfortunately, I can't predict the future. What a cheesy remark to know that there was something coming that I couldn't talk about. <laughs> I will tell you, I do not know of anything this year. I'm not secretly working on anything right now. I went real quiet. I was just like very mum about what I was working on. So if I ever go real quiet, then there might be something new. But I really, I, how can we trust you now? She asks. I mean, we're very, Adafruit is very open. There are just, uh, there are just a few times where it's like this new thing's coming out and we should support it. Um, this, I also knew about the SAMD51 slightly early too. Um, but I think this I think this is true even if we don't find out for sure or we, we don't find out beforehand. Um, especially with the chip shortage, we need to remain f very flexible on what platforms we support and where our work goes, right? Like, And this is why it's kind of like time for me to do S3 work because it looks like we'll be able to get some chips so I think that, I think we as CircuitPython core folks do a really good job at bouncing between platforms and, and Lamore does a great job of knowing which ones to focus on. Um, I know that, you know, David in particular has been like, why are you working on Raspberry Pi? And like, it was kind of a deal that I had with Lamore. Like it was something I think thought was really cool because people have them um, and it, blurs this line between application level and microcontroller, which I think is still really interesting. And it gives you access to HDMI, which is great. Um, but it was also kind of a deal of like, once this BLE workflow stuff is kind of like solid, then I can work on the Raspberry Pi stuff. So um, my desire to get off the Raspberry Pi stuff is just me being tired of it, but it's also like, okay, time to do something that's like, as David points out, like, in a product that we sell. <laughs> um, I don't, like, we have the dev boards for S3s, but we don't have, like, Adafruit ports for S3s yet. 
Um, Keith EE e. says, mm, sure, I suppose we aren't supposed to look under our seats for a brand new Raspberry Pi 5. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? Who knows? With all this chip stuff, like, e even if they're planning on it, if I were a chip company, I would not announce... I would not announce a new chip until you know you have stock, right? Like, it's so variable, but I would just... Uh. Ratfink asks, are uh, you ever going to come out with a round LCD screen? Um, it's not really up to me. Like, I'm, a, I'm more on the software side, so when it comes to sourcing, sourcing stuff and releasing it, it's not really up to me it's more Lady Ada so if you want to ask Lady Ada that you could ask her um, a good time to ask questions to Lady Ada is either like in Ask an Engineer on Wednesday nights or um, or on Sunday nights typically is when Desk of Lady Desk of Lady Ada happens it's all a matter of just what you can source um, generally and displays are one of the things that's been really hard to source in the in the pandemic. I think I think the reason displays is like a lot of the new cars have infotainment display systems, and so that I think that's put a crunch on display chips. But I could be wrong. We do have a. I know we we did release a. We did release a a rounded rectangle display i think where you just treat it like a rectangular display but like the the corners are cut a little bit <laughs> unexpected maker says i'm sending lamore and you some s3 boards next week and michael says how do i get in on that well we had so adafruit's carrying some s3 boards and Espresso did a really neat jaw, a neat thing with the S3. So I, I have this S3 box. I got one of these. But one thing that's cool about these dev kits now is that they have the dual they, they have the dual USB on the S3 dev kits. So one is the existing serial to UART converter that they've always had, but now they also have the native one. Uh, and that wasn't the case for, if you remember the S2 dev board they had, um, the S2 dev board, I actually designed a PCB to sit on top to be able to do native USB. So this is this is way better. And this is probably where I, I will start when I start working on the S3 stuff, um, just because it's super convenient. Um, Jeff has also been doing some S3 work because Jeff got the display working on the S3 box, I think. Um, I, asked, I also have a, a C3. So C3's only got one USB jack uh, because uh, it doesn't have the native... USB. Good night, Dishipu. Thanks for hanging out. Um, kind of my plan is like, once I can, if I can get Bluetooth working on the S3, I kind of expect it to be doable to get going on the C3. Um, so S3 will be my focus to start, and then um, depending on how that goes, we'll try the C3. Oh, I didn't realize that. Anic Data points out that the the S3 dev kits are skinnier, so they fit on the red board with a row of pins to spare on each side. 
unlike the Sala, which is the dev board for the S2. All right, well, we've got that. That is all for CircuitPython 21. Um, let me do a recap. So if you want to participate, we'd love to see what you think for 20, CircuitPython 22. Um, didn't I have... I'll just type in... Actually, let me just do it here. It's way faster to pull it up by tag than to do search, so... How to search what's new but in stock. I don't know. There are th three S3 boards, and I never know which one we're supposed to get. So the three boards are they're different, like, flash RAM combinations. Um, I'd like to support them all. Not all of them are in stock, so I'd just get the one that's... If, if you can choose between one that has RAM and that doesn't have RAM, pick the one with the RAM. If you can't, get whatever you can. Um, it shouldn't be too different between them. It's just a matter of flash and RAM, right? The chips themselves are all the same. Um, okay, so I'd love to hear from everybody who's watching uh, what you think about what should our goals be for CircuitPython in 2022. Um, and I would love to hear your thoughts. So there's all, as, as we were going through this, you saw that there was a lot of different ways you could do it. Basically, post somewhere publicly and then email CircuitPython2022, which goes to Phil and I, uh, and then I will kind of create a blog post every week, uh, or not every week, every day that I get those emails, I'll have just a like, hey, here's, here's what we heard. Um, and so we'll like link out to your blog and stuff too. So uh, if you have your own blog, you'll get hopefully some traffic from that as well. Um, here's some ideas of like topics that you can talk about. Um, and this is kind of the, the how to do it. So I'll just drop this link in there. And in fact, you know what? I think it's just Adafruit. I think CircuitPython 2022 redirects. I think Phil added that. Let's see. Yep. Um, DCD, if you, if you want to have a way to filter new and in stock, I would just email support. Say like, hey, you should add this. And then they'll let the web, the web dev folks know. It shouldn't be too hard. But I, I like to shop Digikey that way, I'll tell you that. What's in stock and new. Especially because all the STM development boards are like 10 or $20. They're, they're well within my impulse buy range if I'm getting something else off Digikey. Anecdata data says uh, for the S3, N is flash and R is RAM. The dev kits with RAM are N2R8 or the N8R8. The N2R8 is not available on Adafruit. But the N8R8 is. Any of those should work. Although two, two megabytes of flash is not that much. Um, hi, Maiko. Hopefully I said that right. 
I guess we do have a version of CircuitPython for the two megabytes. That's where we, we do actually have these like two different OTA sizes. Well, that would be something that would be nice to do is actually like we have the dual bank. I think it's what it's called, dual bank module. So you can do OTA, but we haven't really shown people how to use it to do OTA CircuitPython updates. I know people want that that flash space back, but I'm like, I know I know people are going to want to do OTAs at some point, and so I don't really, I want to have it set aside. Anytime you change that flash layout, it's going to cause a lot more trouble. N4R8, oh, that's much better. <laughs> N2's a little small. Um, okay, so there's that. And if are there any final questions? I might get finished a little early because I'm going to do some advocacy stuff. Let me just quickly show you this non-Adafruit related stuff. So I have this website called law-law.org. Um, and it's mostly trying to reformat all the laws of Washington State, which is where I live, um, particularly redoing how their lists show. Um, for those of you not in Washington, the legislative session for Washington State starts next week. Uh, for two months or 60 days is when uh, the legislature is in session and they're making new laws. Um, and there's some broadband stuff, some digital equity stuff, and some right to repair stuff that I'm interested in. Um, and so... That's kind of why I'm trying to be more involved in that. And all of the testimony is remote. So I can sit in a meeting for, uh, I can sit in a meeting during the workday and then do my two minutes of testimony, but still work the rest of the time sort of thing. So I'm, I'm gonna be a little distracted next week with that. Uh, but I think it's good. I think that it should be more than just lobbyists that give their perspective on things. So here's all the bills of this year, and yeah, so pre-filed 17, 23 is like the Digital Equity Act, and then I have this, and you can read through it, and it's all like pretty well, uh, pretty mobile friendly. Uh, whereas like all the bill contents here is usually in PDFs on the on the state site, which is yeah, so. That's what I'm getting distracted by. <laughs> Are you involved with EFF in Seattle? I'm not. I don't know if there's any EFF thing here. Um, I am on the Slack for repair.org. Okay, so let's go back on topic. If you're interested in this stuff, feel free to let me know. And I know of a few of you are in Washington, so if you want to testify or... Um, at minimum, what you can do is you can you can basically sign in and say I'm for this or against this, um, and they get like aggregate counts of how many people said that uh, in the committee meetings where they discuss it. Um, so yeah, if you want to be involved with that and you're in Washington, let me know. Um, unexpected maker, I'd like to see the option to choose CircuitPython with and without the OTA partitioning. I get asked all the time why my boards that have four megabytes of flash only have 900k available in the file system in CircuitPython. Yeah. I really, you know I hesitate. <laughs> you know I hesitate about this because it's 
it's it's interesting because I am very much for having different builds for every board, but I'm not super happy or I'm not interested in having multiple builds for a single board um, because I think it's gonna I think it would be really hard for people to tell uh, which one they have, and that could be the reason that that it doesn't work. Um, that being said, we do have precedents for that. We do have boards that have multiple different builds. Um, so yeah, I, if you wanted to figure out how to do it, I'd probably let you merge it in. Well, no, ESP is weird. ESP is, is really weird because it has the two partitions and it's not up to the CircuitPython build necessarily, the partition layout. So yeah, maybe we should rethink that. We should think, we should rethink that. Um, but some of our builds do include the partition table. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the right answer is. Um, like we could, we could have it where you can choose your partition table, whether you have room for OTA or not. And then we would always check that, like, even if you have the non OTA version, there's still a fixed size for the circuit Python build. Um, so I guess there there could be a world where the CircuitPython build is the same, but the structure, like the partition table around it is different. Um, so maybe, could we format the other half? It's been a little while since I did the expressive stuff. So let's simmer on that. Let's stew. Let's let's think about ways that we could I think it I think it could be possible that we have a single build that fits in a a bootloader controlled OTA OTA no OTA sort of thing. Um I don't think we want two partitions, though. I think you would want a longer FATFS. Um, I understand. Yeah, I, I understand why people don't. The 900K doesn't feel like a lot when four megabyte is flash. But I think it's also important that people realize that like the code itself is there, too, on the ESPs. So I, yeah, we could think about it. <laughs> David says you're gonna work on S3 and have that same question again. I know. I'll once I once I've done more work in the IDF, I'll have like it'll all be fresher in my mind. Um. But it could, in in what I'm thinking is, I guess maybe we don't have multiple build, builds of Circuit Python. We have multiple builds of Tiny UF2, right? So like it's Tiny UF2's job to pick between the two. Um. It's not CircuitPython's job, it's TinyUF2's job to be OTA or no OTA. Um, and then CircuitPython 
could just manage like, oh, this is not, I can't do it or I can't do it, I guess. You understand what I'm getting? I don't know. I'm open to it. Let's think more on it. Um, I'm going to call it. Thank you, everyone. I hope to get e lots of emails in the next week for CircuitPython 2022. Um, this has been a deep dive. We'll be here next week talking about the future CircuitPython 2022. Myself and all of the other stuff I hear from folks. Um, and oh yeah, I forgot to answer Roy, but somebody else did. Um, Discord's a great place uh, to post projects and GitHub stuff. Um, if you want to join the Discord, you can go to the URL adafru.it slash Discord. Uh, I'm on there as Tan Newt. A lot of other awesome people are on there as well. Super helpful. Uh, thank you, everybody. Um, please support Adafruit by going to adafruit.com. I know a lot of stuff's out of stock, but if there's some neat things that you see there, uh, go ahead and check that out. Um, so... Late breaking news, um, MicroPython will very soon be UF2 friendly, so just drag MicroPython on the UF2 like CircuitPython. And no more stomping with CircuitPython with MicroPython. Great, that's awesome. UF2 is great. That's a good decision we made a number of years ago and just have continued to uh, benefit from. Um, thank you again to Patrick for putting all the notes in the deep dive repo. And thank you to David for taking notes. I really appreciate it. And I'll talk to you all next week. Um, I'm going to pet the cat and get out of here and call somebody, which is exciting. Uh, don't start, stop streaming. Pet the kitty. Can't forget that. Thank you, everybody. Hopefully David put a, a time code for that too. Uh, thank you all. We'll uh, see you next week.